The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. An international uh, conference has been taking place over the weekend. Some 1,400 delegates took to the convention centre to talk about the importance of mental health in children under the age of three. Now, to talk about all of this, uh, we are joined by Catherine Maguire, Senior Clinical Psychologist and IMH Specialist and Co-Chair of the Local Organising Committee of uh, the conference and by Professor Kevin Nugent, Emeritus Professor at the Brazelton Institute at Boston Children's Hospital. Good morning and welcome to you both. Uh, Catherine, you're uh, one of the organisers here. So tell me, it's a huge conference and it's an area of mental health that I I have frankly say I've never considered. Well, I don't think you'd be alone in that, Pat. Um, one of the things that we know about here in Ireland is that we're all very familiar with the physical health of babies and toddlers. Yeah. And we are very fluent. And if you go out in the street and you ask anybody what type of physical development you'd expect in a one-year-old or in a six-month-old, they can tell you very fluidly. But what we don't know and what we're not as fluent in is how the social and emotional health of babies develop. So infant mental health really, in other words, we're talking about how does social and emotional health develop. And And how do you measure it in children so young? Um, Well, first of all, it it happens in the context of a relationship and we measure it in how the baby interacts with the parent. So we see it very early on in the quality of eye contact, the very basic Uh, beginnings of early communication. We know that babies arrive into the world ready to communicate. Their brain development is about 25 to 30 percent developed. It will reach its potential over the next three years through ordinary, everyday, good enough, predictable, consistent relationships. And how would we measure it? We measure it very quickly by looking at how by looking at a baby, how it it's eye contact. When you look at it, does it look back at you? Yeah. It babbles. The babbling sounds, the beginning of communication, um, smiling, touch, interaction is the ver- those very, okay. very... But, but I mean, places. it's a very a broad spectrum yes. of interactions. Yes. And uh, some people will say, oh, my baby's great. Um, he or she sleeps all day and they're very quiet. Oh, it's great. You're telling me that might be a warning sign that baby is not great, that baby is not bothered with communication. No, we want the baby. The baby is an active communicator, but its development happens in the context of a relationship. So babies need another, babies need another to communicate now, with. Now, when the district nurse comes in, yes, um, the local community uh, care nurse, do they do any of those checks, the mental health checks, or is it all just checking that the physical condition of the baby is fine? No, the the public health nurse is a very important person in a baby's life. In fact, we have a wonderful public health nursing system because in the first 24 hours after mother is discharged from the maternity services, she goes, the public health nurse has a visit and she can check the the overall well-being of, of the baby in that in the first 24 hours. However, there are developmental checks over the next year. And today we use, um, I mean, apart from the public health using her clinical skills to look at the overall development of the child, um, there are profiles, evidence-based profiles, for example, Ages and Stages Questionnaire, which is an internationally Mm. renowned um, tool that measures social and emotional health. So they, they can... They can use evidence. At what stage, though? I mean, you can talk to a three-year-old. Uh, talking to a one-year-old is um, <laughs> an inexact science. Well, there are 
particular there are particular parameters in the um, in the in these tools. So, for example, eye contact, eye gaze, okay. babbling sounds, the beginnings of early communication, which tells us how speech and language, for example, is developing. And curiosity, of and course. Curiosity and looking looking around, babbling, uh, touch. Um, yeah. You know, it looks at motor development, all now, of those. Now, what about uh, the interaction with the parent? Because if you have, um, to put it quietly, I suppose, inadequate parenting, you know, that might give rise to uh, inadequate responses in the baby. I mean, if the baby's constantly ignored, perhaps the baby just won't bother anymore. Absolutely. The baby will be very quiet. You often see what we call a flat baby, very little facial expression. You'll be aware from looking at babies, just the breadth of their expression, their yeah. smiles, the, the gaze, the eyes wide open. But that kind of neglect on the part of a parent, does that give rise to a mental health difficulty in the child or is the child resilient and will just find communication where it can? Well, the child can recover and we would always say repair is possible. But we, if we have a very compromised caregiving environment, yes, it is going to impact on the child. And you, it's not unusual to see a very flat baby in, um, in, a, in a caregiving environment where, for example, if a mum is depressed um, or there's adversity or there's at worst um, deprivation, homelessness, domestic violence, all of these things are significantly problematic for a baby. Now, Professor Kevin Nugent, Emeritus Professor at the Brazelton Institute at Boston Children's Hospital. Uh, Kevin, uh, you're not a Boston man. No, that's right. But no, Mullingar man. <laughs> Mullingar man. Uh, uh, but you're now Professor Emeritus uh, from uh, that institute. Yes. What is it, the Brazelton Institute? What does it do? Well, it's interesting. When I went there first, uh, it was one of the first laboratories to look at newborn babies. And to follow up exactly what Catherine said, it was the, at that time, we thought of babies as just reflexes and and I think it was the first research to show babies actually came with the communication skills that Catherine spoke of and babies were born with capacities, with expectations and that's one of the big things I'd like to say that from the very beginning we think we're looking at babies, they're studying us because life is on the line for them, survival is on the line they are able now to we often our, hear this thing about a baby smiles at you yes. to be winsome so you won't hurt the baby. You'll be <laughs> well, nice to the baby. A, a, but we certainly see, you can see social smiles from the very beginning. Yes, for them, it's critical. And I think the good understanding for our research was babies are competent from the beginning. We knew they could see, they could hear, but they could also pull it all together in a very purposeful way. Now, they can't talk, as you said, and uh, we had to realise, but they have a rich language. And everything from the oh, furrowing of the brow, the the sort of tensing of, of the arms. These are the only language a baby has to say to us, just watch me and you'll, I can tell you about myself. Yeah. So our goal now has been to work with families, even in the newborn period, to say, let's see what this little baby wants to tell us. So yeah. as the actual belief the baby has a, a story to tell, as a virtual storyteller from the beginning. Anyone who's had a pop... Uh, a dog yes, yes. will understand the difficulty. What is the dog trying to tell me? The That's dog right. is barking. That's is the dog hungry? Hungry? Does the dog want yes, to get out to exactly. pee or poo? Yes. Um, does the dog want attention? Does the dog want yes. to play? Is the dog in pain? Yes. All of this, and you're trying to figure it out. That's it's exactly the very same with the, with the baby. And the baby is able to tell you. And I think what we've done over the years is expanded that repertoire. And whether it's a 
a baby in a neonatal intensive care unit or the healthy full-term baby, uh, making sure parents know baby is not just comp, but is a person. And for them, it's the develop that, as Catherine said, that relationship is the key and begins right at the beginning. Is it a universal language? Before babies get English, French, German, Russian, whatever it might be, where they're born... Is this language of the baby universal? Is it the same in, in you know, Venezuela it as it indeed. might be in Finland? It's a lovely, it's the same, but interpreted differently. I'll tell you very interesting, I was working in the Goto Islands in Japan once with families, and I said to the mother as I, I was looking at the baby, examining the baby, I hope you won't mind if the baby cries, we'll just wait and see if the baby will settle on its own, how he can self-quiet. Oh, she nodded, of course. And the minute I, the baby began to cry, she whipped that baby out of my arms because in that culture, there's very little value on the baby's self-capacities. She wanted to be sure that she looked after the baby. So people make meanings in different cultures. For example, families who work with in uh, Pakistan, my colleague, they value strength uh, that, that because in a way, for them, survival is related to the baby's strength. So what people emphasize depends certainly on the culture and they will treat the babies very differently. So when we were there, we realized, yes, there is a universal language, but it's shaped very differently. A baby in Venezuela and a baby in Dublin and a baby in Boston will look very differently from the very beginning. My goodness. Yes. <laughs> what does that tell us about the adult population of well, Venezuela? <laughs> <laughs> well, it certainly does mean that people have a very different uh, uh, if you like, uh, behavioural repertoire. Okay, so, so for example, there yes. is a perception, rightly or wrongly, yes. that uh, many people coming from Eastern Europe are tougher than oh. we are, less sentimental uh, yeah. and harder, yeah. drive a, a hard bargain, for example, compared to Irish people who are perceived to be a bit soft. Would that be a fair, <laughs> I, you know, a, yeah, a result of yeah. the way their babyhood it was? It could well be, yes. I, I, I wouldn't be able to say that in that way, but you're right. There's a, The whole thing is the interaction between what the baby brings and what the family brings. And, as, and both of these, as Catherine says, shape the baby's, uh, the architecture of the baby's brain. And this has lifelong consequences. I mean, all the data suggests that the experiences of these first three years makes us the people we are and that we may not remember explicitly, but implicitly it's totally in the bone. Every smile that's responded to, every cry that's responded to is built into our repertoire and it sets up expectations for the world that I can... This yeah. world is trustworthy. Now, what you're saying to me, though, that, Kevin, is that there are many different ways in which the babies will develop and some will yes. be tougher and some will be softer and so on. And even within families, because yes. every sibling is represents a different Even, environment absolutely. for yes. the, the next yes. child that yes. comes along. Yes. So so it's all very complicated. <laughs> but by and large, we're talking about uh, healthy people who develop in different ways. When it comes to mental health difficulties, Catherine, mm. um you know, what are we looking for? Are we looking for, for example, autism at an early stage? Are we looking, you know, where interventions might be useful? Well, the first thing we'd like to look at, um, as Kevin said, is because development happens in the context of the caregiving relationship. And I just want to say at this point that caregiving relationship is good enough. It's not because we're not perfect. We're not a perfect people. So we're talking about a good enough parenting caregiving environment. But sometimes that caregiving environment can be compromised for all the reasons you mentioned earlier. And when that caregiving environment is compromised, 
we can have difficulties in what we call attachment bonding, the bonding of mm. the baby. If that's if that didn't go well, we can have um, a compromise, a struggle in the parent baby relationship or a struggle in the parent toddler relationship, which may ha- then extend to other relationships. Exactly. Later so on. you might see it initially manifested in very fussy behaviour that's not settling a baby, and a toddler that's not calming, um, emotion. What we, what we would call dysregulation in emotions. Um, so that can be a precursor to mm. problems if it's not corrected later on. Uh, one of my textures asks, I've read so much about these first four years, how vital they are when it comes to raising healthy children and things that occur or impact them during this time frame can impact their adult lives. And I think you're both saying, yes, yes. that is so. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No Another one, interesting one. I had a COVID baby. I'm positive it made my little girl more socially anxious. Her first two years, there were hardly any meetups with baby yes. groups, masks, covered faces she is a lot shyer than her older brother well I I think the face is the most powerful place on a baby's uh, in a baby's body and and the face is the most powerful place in the caregiving so imagine the lack of um, of what a mask does and how the mask um, deprives the baby from all the social interaction Mm -hmm. so that makes that's an intuitive parent asking a very good question and and the sheer isolation the parent feels and I think a lot of data and there's a very yeah. Italian study showing that during COVID, parents yeah. just felt so isolated and alone and yeah. anxiety increased as a result. Yeah. And that yeah. can, in fact, uh, make it harder to enjoy the relationship and for the child to enjoy. Another text says, John Bowlby's yes. book, A Secure Base, is a great yes. book on explaining the Absolutely. needs of a baby's yes. emotional life. He covers yes. the parent-child bond brilliantly. That's, That's from right. Anne. That's and another one says, a public health nurse is an absolute lifesaver for me Absolutely. over and above yes. all the medical professionals speaking as a new mother. So there you go. And I think, uh, uh, Catherine, uh, the work of the Irish Infant Mental Health Association is primary in this area is doing such an incredible job. There's more continuity here since I work in the States. What I admire about Ireland is the, you write the visiting nurse, the issue of continuity, yeah. which means you've got a, a sort of a, a resource person that moves from the nursery into the community. And this is of such powerful support. And, and the public health nurse then yes. is, usually has a very good relationship That's with right. the yes. mother and the family. That's right. And in, within that relationship, yes. parents can talk and get reassurance. Yes. And it's it's not easy. The transition yes. to being a new parent is demanding. Parents need support. Yes. It's a difficult task. Yes. And the public health nurse mm. is a That's wonderful right. resource. Yes. The other thing, um, when you ask Pat about difficulties, I think we wouldn't want to worry parents because repair is possible. Yes. With the right intervention, is it's possible. Yes. Yes. That's a good message yes. uh, upon which yes. to end. Catherine McGuire, Senior Clinical Psychologist and Co-Chair of the Local Organising Committee of the conference underway at the moment. And Professor Kevin Nugent, Emeritus Professor at the Brazelton Institute at Boston Children's Hospital. Uh, thank you both very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.